Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is March 1st, 2023. Welcome to a special edition of Canadian Common Sense, an interview special. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. Flying solo here. Lewis is a little under the weather today, so he won't be joining us. But who will be joining us is a very special guest. Now, you know, our Freedom Convoy episodes have been our most listened to episodes to date. And probably because we actually just told the truth about what was going on in Ottawa. And today we were joined by someone who was actually in Ottawa and can help expand on that truth. Um, his name is Donnie. He was actually at the convoy in Ottawa. Um, not for the whole thing, but he was there uh, sporadically here and here and there. And um, yeah, we're happy to have him today to talk about his experience. Donnie, welcome to Canadian Common Sense. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's great to have you, and um, thank you for being a listener to the show. You had actually approached us when we talked about the public order emergency inquiry and mentioned that you were there. So, um, yeah, we jumped at the opportunity to get you on the show and relate your experiences, because we watched all of our coverage from the show on YouTube and Rumble and through the independent media. And, well, good, because we actually got the, the real story to it. But now I'm really excited to get first-hand accounts from someone who was actually there so um when did you get to ottawa were you there when the convoy first arrived or when did you show up i i was um i left a little bit late um i, I when when we heard about the convoy coming through and keep in mind i didn't have any social media at this point so i was actually picking this up off of cbc and ctv of all places um and uh yeah what uh, group of us went down from Yorkton to see the convoy go through um, at, at Whitewood and I was already kind of thinking that I, I wanted to be part of this like after you know a couple years of, of all the all the crap the government put us through and um, and all the scare tactics of the media um, when somebody actually got some guts to do something about it I, I just I felt like I wanted to be a part of it um, I didn't know how I was going to pull that off, but uh, I know when I saw the trucks roll through at Whitewood, like it just it just struck me um, that that I had to be there. So I kind of called uh, almost everybody I knew, see if somebody wanted to go with. And, and luckily, my my brother-in-law said he would. So we took off. Um, we took off to to meet them or to catch up with them, I guess, about eight o'clock at night, and we uh, made it as far as Winnipeg. And then the next day, we got up and kept traveling, and we taught them at Thunder Bay. Um, so yeah, I was there when the when the convoy. I was there actually just just ahead of them because once we traveled we traveled with them, and uh, we decided to get into Ottawa the night before because we didn't really know what to expect as far as traffic and and whatnot. So, um, but yeah, I was definitely there when they got there. Oh, excellent! So, what was that like when you uh, saw all these trucks rolling into to downtown Ottawa, and then you know, you know, kind of that make it a bit more real for you? Well. It, it was real when I when I hit Thunder Bay, um, like that was part of the, the whole experience. Um, like when I got to Thunder Bay, I couldn't believe how many trucks were actually there. Um, I mean, I'd read articles and whatnot, but of course you read the same ones I did. You know, the CBC said, you know, 10 trucks and five cars. and what, I'm exaggerating, but you know what I'm saying? They downplayed it big time. And so when I got to Thunder Bay, uh, we rolled into a spot where they had a racetrack plowed out for, for trucks to park and a bunch of truck stops were already full of trucks. And I mean, just the food there was, was crazy. I mean, there was boxes of pizza and, and bags of sandwiches and like, you name it, it was there. 
um, because everybody, everybody that even couldn't go wanted to be a part of it somehow. Um, so it was real then. And then when we, as, as the next two days traveling, uh, it just got bigger and bigger. And it was probably one of the most amazing things I've ever witnessed. I mean, you've, you, you've heard the stories about the bridges being lined with people. I mean, they were packed. And every little town you go through, if it was population 300, you better believe that there was 300 people on the road. And it was cold. And, and they're out there with their kids and their grandparents. And, and I mean, it seemed like the whole country came out to, to see this. And uh, I'll try not to get choked up, but I usually do when I, when I pass the schoolyards and the kids are holding up signs saying, you know, thanks for fighting for my freedom. And at that point, I mean, I didn't even really know what that concept was. I just, I was sick, sick of sitting around doing nothing. So I, you know, joined the truckers to head to Ottawa. And, and that's when I realized like how big this was and how much this meant to, to the, the better part of Canada. So um, as far as, sorry to make that a long-winded answer, but, uh, but the, the journey there was, was definitely a huge part of it. And um, I mean, I could tell you story after story about the challenge we rolled through, but we'd be here all night. So then when we got, when, when I was in Ottawa, and yeah, by the time we checked in that night, I think it was like three, four in the morning because the convoy got so big that we'd drive for 15, 16 hours a day. And then, so we checked in late and I actually slept in a little bit. I, I think I, I'm going to say I hit the street at 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock maybe. And it was like shoulder to shoulder people everywhere. You went down to Wellington and like, it was packed. There was so many people. I mean, my friends back home, they kept asking me, you know, how, what, how many people are there? How many trucks are there? And I'm going, I, I, I have no idea. There's just, there's just lots. And the spirit of everything the the vibe of the people like you you've heard people say peace love and unity i mean i'm the, I'm the last guy that was ever going to sit around a campfire and sing kumbaya and yet it just it overtook you that that positive uh vibe and and uh, the love that people were were pouring out like so um yeah it was it was it was yeah to to, to coin your phrase it was pretty real Okay, and that was the the first day, right? You said that you were there. That was the first day. That was the Saturday, yeah. Okay, yeah, I know. I'd I'd heard a lot a lot as well that it was, I mean, a summer of love, but but in January, so it was obviously mm -hmm. a cold summer of love. And a lot of the footage that we had seen was uh, just people like yourself who were doing a Facebook Live or were doing a Rumble video and whatnot. And that was yeah, that was the theme that we were all seeing. So. Uh, in, like I'd heard estimates that there could have been as many as fifty thousand people in there when when one given sorry at any given time would uh, would you even venture a guess if that was closer? I, I I would guess more. I I would honestly guess more. Okay. I mean how, I don't I don't know how many people you can fit on Parliament Hill, but it was full and the streets were full and uh, you got, uh, like. To say this correctly, without without making it sound like uh, the the occupation that they wanted wanted to sound like, um, there there was always a street open for the most part, but blocks and blocks were lined with semis. So I mean, even the people that weren't on the hill, you could walk for six blocks away from Wellington and still be bumping into hundreds of people. Um, obviously, Wellington was where the bulk of it was, but. Um, I, I I think fifty thousand would be a very low low guess. Um, okay. Our brain, you know, our, our brains aren't designed to count that high, right? When when you look That's at true, you say, well, how many thousand is that? How many how many millions is that? You don't you, you can't really quantify it. 
Um, I mean, I got up on top of a couple semis and, and took pictures and, you know, that's all you could see was people just waves in them, uh, full of Canadian flags, full of a lot of Quebec flags actually too. And, uh, lots of flags from different countries that I even recognize. But um, on that note, I'll just put in there because, you know, of course you heard the stories about the bad flags over there. I went looking for them. I went all over, all over Wellington and, look, and all over, you know, the downtown core looking for these bad flags. And the worst I could find was the F2 Trudeau flags. They were there. I won't deny that for sure they were, but there were some frustrated people with that, you know, wanted to be heard, right? Okay, yeah, no, I'm actually, uh, that's that you anticipated my next question because that was where I was going to go next. Because of course, the the lamestream media was all over the fact that there was a swastika and there was a Confederate flag, and of course, we saw the videos where the the crowd was walking out the douchebag with the Confederate flag, and we later learned that the douchebag with the Nazi flag with the swastika was likely a plant, and was sort of out of as well. Now, um, obviously you didn't see those guys, but I mean, they're, no, but I'll, they're well I'll documented. Tell you some, I'll tell you something on that. Cause yeah, no, there was, there was no flags like that that I witnessed anywhere. Um, and we were, keep in mind, we weren't allowed behind, you know, the parliament building. Like it was all gated off and whatnot. Now, when I did go, I'm, I'm jumping ahead here, but when I did go back and march with James Top to the tomb of the unknown soldier, uh, my girlfriend and I, we went, you know, down by the water and we looked up and we could now see the back of the parliament building, which I'd never seen before. So when a person was challenging me on these Swastika flags, I said, look, there, there's the flag. I said, okay, there's two things wrong with that. One, there's six people in that picture. But where I was at, there was thousands of people. So where, there, where was the rest of the people? And the other thing I said, and that's the, that's the back of the back of the building. So I totally believe that that was a planted flag. Absolutely. 100%. Okay. Yeah. And I think that uh, anything that I've seen and read would support that theory as well. Now, I heard an interview with Benjamin Dichter, who was one of the key, key organizers of the convoy. And he had said that there was no point in time where there wasn't one lane open for traffic for emergency vehicles and whatnot. Would, uh, would you say that that was an accurate statement by him? Yeah, I would. I mean, I've, I've heard the exceptions of, of certain intersections that, that you, you probably heard during the Emergency Act. Um, yeah, my experience was exactly that, that uh, that there was a lane of, of traffic open. Um, well, Wellington was, was pretty clogged up, but you could still get down it if you needed to. And there was a lot of people still driving around in their personal vehicles. Now, I don't know if that was people to do with the convoy or that was downtown Ottawa residents, but yes, you, you could still get around. I mean, there was definitely a lot of people. There was definitely a lot of trucks. I don't imagine it would have been, uh, you know, a fast rip through through the downtown. But yes, you definitely could still get around. Okay, excellent. Now, the, the honking. I mean, there's so much to be made about the, the horns honking. That how, how long did that last until, until the injunction shut that down? So I think I might have been on the road already when that injunction came in. If you could maybe refresh my memory, what date that was. And yeah, like, I'm not going to deny that, that there was honking. There definitely was. I mean, it, it people were excited. And, you know, for the most part, everybody that was down there, you know, when a semi honk, it's horn, like, yeah, it was, it'd make you feel good. It made you feel alive. Like, uh, you know, it, it gave you this feeling of hope that maybe the world wasn't falling apart like we thought it was for the last two years. So, yeah, I won't, I won't deny that there was honking. Um, I will say, though, that I was staying at a hotel a block off of Wellington in, in, in uh, the fifth floor. And at night, I don't know if I was just too tired or what, but I, I heard very little of it. So 
I'm okay. not going to sit here and tell you that that somebody wasn't kept up at night over it. I, I won't I won't make that claim, but I know that I wasn't. Um, and yeah, I mean the honk. Okay, like they find any little straw they can grasp at, right? Absolutely. Like, they, they they couldn't they couldn't find any any actual acts of violence. I believe I believe the term was feelings of potential. I don't know. It was it, it was bogus what they were trying to pin oh, it on. Well, but we'll get into could, that one a little later on anyway. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I told I told you I was long winded, Tony, before we started this out. So. <laughs> <laughs> nope. No worries at all. So yeah, the injunction came. I believe it was after the after that first weekend, just a couple of days, and they when the injunction came down on the honking and. Uh, Tamara Leach herself even had said that she was quite okay with that because she could understand that how that might bother some of the, the residents downtown. But by the sounds of it, it probably didn't go all through the night like uh, some like some reports are saying. Obviously, it didn't keep you up, right? So, Yeah, like when I'm thinking about it as we're talking here, um, I, I don't know if there was if it was the injunction that it had to stop. And it, I think there was two of them. I think one was they, they had some hours where you could, and then I think they shut it down altogether for seven days or something like that um but there was a lot of nights that i was up late walking around because it would just be story after story and you'd meet all these different wonderful people then i do remember being down at uh down at the park and i'm grasping at what name it was but it's, it's very close to wellington and it, it was quiet like it we were sitting by a fire and i'm gonna say it was two or three in the morning um and i don't remember hearing a bunch of honking at that point but that's that's just going off my memory, which was a year ago. So, yeah, I, right. I believe. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't remember. I you know during the day when when there was people on the on the microphone and lots of people on the street. Yeah, the, I mean the horns were going for sure. But I don't I don't remember it a, a ton at that, that night, and I was up late a lot. So, okay, no, fair enough. And uh, just as a side note, Canada, we reported on this at the time too. Uh, Liberal MP Yara Sachs, who was a Liberal MP from Toronto, had the nerve to stand up in Parliament and say when the drivers are going honk honk, they're actually saying Heil Hitler. And um, I couldn't find anything more ridiculous than that kind of a statement, knowing as the trucking business as I do, when most of the drivers are actually Indian. So I... Uh, we we made a lot of lot of fun of that on the show at the time, and I'm uh, now you stayed you stayed for a few days, then you went home and came I, back. Correct? Yeah, like so, I, I stayed for eight days. So I was there on on the Saturday, and I left on the Saturday. Like, sorry, I got there Friday night or Saturday morning, whatever you want to call it, at three in the morning. Um, and I was there for yeah eight, eight full days, and uh, by Saturday, I and I mean everything looked good, like everything was going well, and. You know, provinces were dropping restrictions. And so, you know, some of the goals were being accomplished. And I, I was getting homesick and definitely physically and emotionally exhausted. And so I made the decision. And I mean, it, it, if I'm being honest, if I have any regrets about my trip, that might have been, that might be one of them that I didn't stay the entire time. Um, because what I saw when I got, I didn't, I didn't see the downfall of it from the time I left to the time I got back. Um, you know, I just, I saw it online. Uh, which is the reason we went back but um yeah so i was there eight days and and that's when i made started making my track home so i was away from home for, for two full weeks with the convoy up and then the drive home you don't realize how big that province of ontario is until you start driving across it yeah you can spend an entire day and still not stop hit the other side so <laughs> that's correct yeah okay so you went back home and then uh, at what point did you come back was the had the emergencies act been invoked by when you came back or yeah, um, that might have been the tipping point, if memory serves. 
Um, when I when I got home, um, first of all, yeah, a bunch of my friends uh, came over at this great party, and it was lots of fun. And then after that, I I wasn't really home. I, I was I'd sit out here in this garage that you can see in the background and just go over article after article and watch Facebook live after fed. I was I wasn't home. Like I I was physically home, but I wasn't home. Um, because I I I went through something very you know emotional, like positive, but but very emotional, right? And so I was still my heart was still in Ottawa. Uh, I never thought I'd say that sentence, <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah. And and so there was you know different groups that were were popping up around here that we were potentially going to take take part in and whatnot. And uh, I think Coos was still going at the time, so you know stuff like that was was being talked about. Um, but in our area and I, yeah, when it started getting bad, when you could see that they were going to do something really drastic, um, uh, Melissa and I were sitting out here and I just said, I, I, I want to go back, you know, you, will you come with me this time? And she said, yeah, like, I mean, the reason she didn't go in the first place is we have, we have some horses and we have like, and I mean, I made this decision like that day and left. So that's why she didn't accompany me the first time, which is unfortunate because she didn't see the positive part of it because when we got back, that was that was way different. Okay, now let's talk about that uh, a little bit. Now, a lot of stories I read were that the Ottawa police, who obviously botched the job, I mean, there's no question about that, but also what I had, I had been reading a lot of was that the, the, the protesters, the truckers and whatnot were obviously protesting by day, but they were getting good sleeps at night. And what I kept hearing was the police are tired. The police are working a lot of overtime. They're undermanned. And a lot of them just don't want to be there because there was a lot of tacit support, at least at first for the, for the convoy and sympathy. And the police were just exhausted. They were wore out. In the, the week that you were there, did you see any of that or was it still quite jubilant on the police side? Yeah, no, I can't comment on them being exhausted because I did talk to a lot of police officers. Um, you know, I asked to, I asked to film a few of them and they they declined and I, I respected that. Um, and I asked him, I said, you know, how, how, how is this? And he said, you guys are peaceful. Like, yeah, you're, you know, you're, there's a lot of you, but you know, you're peaceful. That, that was the, the vibe I was getting from them. I mean, I definitely can't speak for all the officers. And, and I mean, there was a decent amount of police there like the first week I was there. And, and I mean, it wasn't really that intimidating. Like they would go around in, in groups or packs or whatever you want to call it. But um, they, uh, they weren't being not intimidating. Like they were pretty friendly. You could talk to them. You could, you know, you could wave to them. They would acknowledge you, um, which again was very different. And I mean, I couldn't tell you which police we were dealing with when we got back. There was different, different, uh, different uniforms being worn, uh, different gear, and they wouldn't talk to you or barely even make eye contact. So I, I, I would, I would speculate that it, that wasn't necessarily the Ottawa police sitting on the front line when we got back. Yeah, and you'd be correct. I mean, they uh, once the Emergencies Act was invoked, it's probably when you were back, correct? Yeah, we we, we left. I I want to say, I'm not sure if it wasn't that day when it happened because I mean it's a three day drive to get there, and uh, we got there just after the first push started happening when the lady got trampled by the horse, um, which. Okay. If you believe me on this one, I can verify from a trusted friend that was there, um, who was standing right beside her when that happened. And I mean, I, if you meet this met this met this fella, uh, you you trust him as far as the day is long. 
Um, I believe in that that did happen. There's enough camera angles to support it, but it's pretty good to somebody that I know and trust to say, yeah, I know I was standing right there when those horses went through. So anyways, we, we missed that part of it. Um, I guess missed is the wrong word, but we, we showed up literally after that happened. That's, that's when we, we arrived. Okay. Back yeah. From that. Okay. Yeah. There was a February 14th with uh, the Valentine's Day massacre, as I call it, which I know is a historical reference, but uh, it was our own Valentine's Day massacre. And yeah, I did see footage of the, the lady getting trampled. Now those were, those police were the Toronto mounted police platoon and then the uh the, the police that you saw with no name tags and whatnot the kind of olive green riot gear were from quebec and there was a few different theories on that and we actually had to do a little bit of digging because some people were trying to say they were un soldiers and whatnot and nope that none of that was true they were all they were all different uh canadian police uh, outfits that were in well, there the rumor mill was always alive and well i mean i was told at one point that there wasn't enough police officers so they brought some up from new york and i thought i, I don't know if that's quite accurate but you know the rumor mill was pretty alive and well at times for sure yeah yeah it was it was very active and it was it, sometimes it was a little tough to debunk some of the the garbage yeah. that was coming out especially for the mainstream media because oh. uh there was a cbc journalist ashley Virk, who had to had started the bicycle theory and said that, it'll, that someone had thrown a bicycle at the feet of the horses and that's why they the horse veered off track and trampled that old that the poor old lady and and we could see by watching video that that was a bunch of bs so i don't mean to interrupt you but can i comment on that horse thing yeah absolutely because um like like my father-in-law is an old cowboy like a like a real one um I, I'm, I'm a pretend one <laughs> i ride my horse probably you know 20 times a year tops um and in, we talked about that extensively you know like so these these are these aren't your your average saddle horse right these are big draft horses that they were using because i did see them when i was there this like this, after we arrived the second time um if nobody if you ever been near a draft horse they're they're massive i mean they're 1800 2000 pound animals now if somebody actually did throw a bike at them and they didn't, we know it was the walker and that's, they're trying to spin it. I mean, that wouldn't even have phased them. And the other thing is there was, that was no place for a horse to be trained or not trained. I mean, it's one thing to take your horse on a parade and you're away from that, but like to try and push him through people like that. And a horse will not want to step on a, on a person. Like a horse will avoid it at all costs. And I guarantee you that's why that lady's alive. Because if you watch that video, you can see that horse trying to trip and stumble and hop skip over that lady. If he put his full weight on her, she'd be dead. You know, thank goodness it was a horse and not a vehicle that, you know, had more heart than the, the person sitting on that horse's back. So, so yeah. Yeah. Well that's, well, that's for sure. Yeah. And we saw some of the comments that some of the police officers are making on their Twitter accounts and whatnot, and, you know, making light of the situation and say, Oh, we got to try that. Hey, let's remember that. And that wasn't a heck of a lot of, uh, fun to be reading comments like that so no there is a lot of respect lost for law enforcement over that for sure oh yeah without a doubt yeah so now when you were there that's the second time you would have got there after the emergencies act was already invoked so you were past the point where they were handing out food to the homeless people and citizens were carrying fuel across the line or was that still going on even at that point no that that was done i mean <clears throat> a lot of people were definitely leaving when when the cops started started their push um we like i said we got there just after that happened like we and i mean it's uh it's a kind of a crazy story how we even got into ottawa because we stopped an arm prior and some cops came up to us this is when truckers were already retreating and 
we actually talked to one of the road captains and said, yeah, it's, it's, it's bad. And we're like, well, we've driven, you know, 29 hours. What's like, we're going right. So this cop came up to us and said, yeah, no, if, if you're going down there, like you'll be arrested. And I said, arrested for what? They said, well, you'll be arrested if you're, if you're on the street. I said, but I wouldn't be doing anything. They're like, well, if you're going to go protest, I said, I'm not going to protest. I'm just going to, I want to go check things out. They said, well, we don't want an audience. So of course you don't. You know? <laughs> so we actually had to get like basically smuggled into, into Ottawa and it, through the people that I'd met to make a long, uh, long story short here. Um, we knew a guy who knew one of the farmers that was South of Ottawa and his brother with his, with his Ontario plate that actually we parked our truck out of the, out there. Didn't know this guy from, from a hole in the ground. And he was kind enough to actually drive us into Ottawa. We went through, I believe four checkpoints. Uh, we had a hotel reservation and that was our only saving grace. But if we'd have rolled in there with our Saskatchewan plates, I guarantee we wouldn't have made it in. So that's how, that's how, that's how nuts it, it was when we got there. Well, when I got there the second time, and this was Melissa's first experience of Ottawa. So you can imagine what her take on the city was. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Now uh, let's talk about the war memorial for a minute. Now, a lot of hay was made because there was a lady from, from Quebec who was dancing on the tomb of the unknown soldier, allegedly. And that there was all these people desecrating the, the war memorial and where they put up a fence. Now, while you were there during the first week, had that fence gone up around the war memorial yet? No, I saw the fence. Uh, I saw the fence online and I saw the vets taking it down. Um, as far as the girl dancing on, on the on the tomb, it sounds like that did happen. I, I think like through what I heard, I didn't see it. Um, obviously, that's, you know, not acceptable. And, you know, within a crowd, there's always going to be a couple idiots. Um, but as far as, you know, full on desecration and when they talked about the Terry Fox statue, I mean, you've seen the pictures of the Terry Fox statue. They put a Canadian flag on him and I believe I was a hockey Canada hat. I mean, it was it was pretty far cry from desecration, in my opinion. And if you go back online and see all the hats and all the, the flags and banners that have been on Terry Fox, they, again, like they had nothing to go on. So they would grasp at any straw they could. And uh, something that I don't know if it did make too much uh, media, well, certainly wouldn't have made, like, as you say, the lamestream media, um, when we were accused of desecrating the tomb of the unknown soldier, um, there was, after that, everybody went and bought flowers and roses and laid them on the tomb. It was covered in flowers. So, oh, well, you know, nice. any time that something would happen uh, with with the media, for instance, like, oh, you know, the, the public services can't get downtown. It's, it's, it's chaos. The streets can't get cleared. So that's when the call-up came for shovels. So then we started clearing the streets when, and, and, and saying that, oh, there's garbage everywhere. That was, if you asked, uh, you know, the Ottawa residents that were, you know, being truthful, they would tell you that they'd never seen that Wellington that clean. And, you know, the first day everybody was having a good time and, and, and pretty excited that, that uh, to be there. And I remember seeing uh, a beer can down on the, on, on, um, up on the hill. And at first I'm, you know, thinking, okay, who cares? Bad attitude, but that was my, that was my thought. And then I seen someone pick it up and I thought, yeah, if we start throwing cans and stuff around, it's not going to go well to the point where, you know, people like smokers, they were, they were putting their cigarette butts in their pocket. Like it, it, anything they could come up with we would turn it and try to you know to say like no we're, we're not not only are we not doing this we're we're actually doing better 
you know, stealing, stealing food from the homeless was the biggest joke because there was more food there than anybody could eat. Like I didn't pay for food after I got to Thunder Bay. Oh, That's how much food was there. Like I, I knew where, like, like there was people serving breakfast burritos. There was people serving burgers. There was uh, a company brought in a fire roasted, uh, fire roasting pizza station. Like it was nuts how much food was there. There was no way that anybody could steal from the homeless. And if you have, and then I heard that the food banks um, were actually turning our donations away because, um, and sorry, I'm using words like our and we, and please understand that. I mean, I had no part in organizing any of this stuff. I, I simply showed up and then fired up a Facebook account and started filming what was happening, right? So um, there was, I mean, so many people there, but that's the funny thing is everybody kind of grabbed a job. Uh, my buddy, Kyle, he, uh, he, he took on fuel. So when they started taking guys' slip tanks away, well, then he was sneaking fuel into the jerry cans so that these trucks could stay running right that's kind of how, how it went like everybody sort of grabbed a roll okay excellent now um just to go back to the uh the tomb of the unknown soldier there um canada i'll recommend uh if you haven't seen a film look up uh, unacceptable views it's, uh you'll find it on rumble if you type in unacceptable views they count as citizen camera and it actually details that the whole dancing on the tomb of the unknown soldier was a lady who i don't think actually knew where what she was up to she just wanted to get a bit of an elevation and she got up for a couple minutes and then someone moved her off and then that was it so there really wasn't much to it but um you know the, the film unacceptable views actually goes through a lot of even what you're talking about here donnie and uh that it was yeah really just a good time and it actually interviewed some drivers from the Indian community, from the Sikh community, who make up a large portion of the trucking business. And uh, they had kind of just said, too, like, there was no racism here. It was really just uh, a, a big party of free love. And Rupa Supramanya, who writes for the National Post, who did at that time, had said the same thing. And she's Indian. And she had just said, yeah, I see a lot of people who look like me. And uh, she said, they're, everybody's really just getting together brother to brother. So, uh so we'll segue that into talk about the, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, because you said you came back to Ottawa with James Top, and we had him on the show as he was heading east uh, on his way through Saskatchewan. And he had had his uh, no later than June 30th, I think it was, to get to Ottawa, and he actually got there a couple of days early, I think. So, uh, so you were there when he got to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, correct? So the, the very last leg, it was like a 22-kilometer 20, march. Um, and I, I'd followed James pretty much the whole, the whole time. Uh, in fact, when he came through Saskatchewan, we, we drove through a pretty nasty storm to go down to a little community hall and, and meet him and listen to him speak. Um, so yeah, as he was getting closer to Ottawa, I, I kept thinking like, yeah, like this, this is a good thing. Like it, to, to be there and, and then see this, see this guy through to the end of his journey. And I have no idea how he did it because I mean I, I marched 22 kilometers with him and like I was sore. I mean obviously I wasn't trained or in shape for, to to do that, but uh, yeah, that was a pretty impressive feat for him to do that. And yeah, so I did I did march in and I did see him put his hand on the tune. That was that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And of of course, if you listen to the the lamestream media again, they would tell you that there was just a a very small gathering to meet him there, and then. Again, you you go to the Facebook lives, you go to people's Twitter accounts, and you see there was thousands of people who were waiting to uh, to meet him at the tomb of the unknown soldier. So, uh, how how was that to see uh, such a big crowd again? Yeah, that was pretty cool. But I mean, it was no, it was nowhere. The crowd was nowhere compared to what it was um, with the with the convoy initially, right? 
Um, and like you said, the mainstream media, they, they downplay everything. And they did a lot of, lot of work to keep people unaware of him. Um, you know, you've seen the, you probably saw the TikTok or Facebook video. I can't remember which one that James Top did in Winnipeg when he tried to go into the CBC building. You know, they just pretend like he wasn't there. In fact, when I was in Ottawa, I kept seeing a shirt that was kind of funny and it said, who is James Top?" So the supporters <laughs> are wearing a shirt. Yeah. And I thought that's pretty good because anytime I would mention to anybody, I'm like, I'd bring up James Top, And that's, that was exactly what they say. Who's James Top? I'm like, well, it's a guy that's marching across the country right now on foot. So yeah, it's, it's discouraging when, when you see someone take a stand and then you, you see them try to spin it. I believe I even saw some articles about how they were calling James a racist and everything. I'm like, is that your only card that you can play? Like, well, it certainly seems that way. Yeah. So, um, Okay, so let's go to the public order emergency inquiry. We'll uh, we'll we'll wrap up chatting about that for a little bit. Now, sure. did you uh, did you follow any of the any of the public order emergency inquiry where the the liberal judge uh, investigated the liberals and found out that the liberals did nothing wrong? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like like most of us, I was obviously um, I was pessimist. No. I didn't think it was going to go our way, but maybe I was optimistic that, you know, something would happen, right? Because I did follow a, quite a bit of it. Um, I, I, I would tune in and out, I guess, depending on, on who was on. Obviously, I, I watched Tamara's uh, full, in, uh, full um, testimony, Chris Barber, uh, Tom Morales, those, those guys. Um, and, yeah, the... <laughs> I guess we shouldn't be surprised when, like you said, the how did you say it? The liberals uh, hired a liberal to investigate the liberals. Like, yeah, that's that's pretty much what happened. So, after all the evidence he heard, you know, and and to say it was justified over, you know, some honking and some bouncy castles, I I just I don't get it. I do get it, but it's still it's still very discouraging. Yeah. So for the testimony you saw, I mean, you uh, you said you paid attention to uh, Tamara Leach, Chris Barber, Tom Morazzo. Um, were they all on point? Like as far as your recollection goes, were they telling as straight as it was? Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think they said, you know, a whole lot different than what I just said. You know, you asked me about the horn honking. Yeah, there was horn honking. They were asked about the horn honking. They said, yeah, there was horn honking. But what they also said is what I'll say is it was it was the most unified thing I've ever seen. Like in my and I don't think I'll ever see something like that again. Um, when they keep coming back to like oh it's a white supremacist, misogynistic, whatever whatever label they want to put on it, I'm like it, it could not have been farther from the truth. I mean I saw people of all types of backgrounds and all types of religious backgrounds too. Which was a bit of an eye opener for me because I, I mean I've been primarily uh, I guess an atheist if you want to call it that it always sounds like such a dirty word but that's where I'm at um, you know in my in my past uh, experience is I, I would have got upset if somebody came and said you know something like God bless you or whatever and and as I started talking to more people and realizing you know people's values and views and what I mean I didn't convert over but I certainly became way more accepting of of where people come from and, and what they believe in. And so if even for, so if I can say that, and then I've seen everybody else doing that, like it, it yeah, it was, it was unreal. So I know I'm going long winded and off track track here, but it is a I'm kind of reliving it right now, a year later, I guess, as we're talking about it. No, that's fantastic. And actually that's, uh, we should actually touch on that because that's one thing that you heard a lot about and we, you know, we read a lot about, well, those of us who were looking for it at any rate was, yeah, I mean, it was such a unifying force and that people from all different backgrounds and all different walks of life 
And I think one way one person I heard describe it was to saying this was Canada because there was people from all different backgrounds, all different religions, from different countries of the world, but yet they all came together for a common cause. And uh, so how was it? Like, I mean, you got to experience it firsthand. Like, how unifying was that? How Canadian was that? I, it was unbelievable. Um, I just, I never felt that before. Um, like, it was almost like being on a high for, you know, the, the, the journey up and as well as being in Ottawa. And I'll tell you, like, I, I, I bet you I talked to, I don't know how many thousand people I talked to, but every conversation would go like this. You would just bump into someone and say hi. And then you'd just start going on. Usually you'd start with a hug because everybody was hugging, right? Because everybody got sick of, you know, not being able to shake hands and hug them for the last couple of years. Um, and then you just go on about where you came from and, and why you were there. And I mean, there's differences, but there's also that main similarity. Everybody was fed up with it. And then about somewhere between 15 to 45 minutes later, you'd go, oh, by the way, my name's Donnie. Like, you didn't even start the conversation with, hi, this is who I am. You would just start talking. And these conversations would go on and on and on. I mean, it was sometimes tough to make it a full city block in, in you know, in a couple hours. Oh, that, that, and, and, and that was, I mean, I, I had, I had grown men like that looked like me, my size crying on my shoulder. Like, and I was one of them too. Like it just, it was the most powerful, emotional, ex positive experience I've ever seen. The oh, first fantastic. <laughs> the second trip was definitely way more discouraging. But. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and it's a shame that, uh, it had to end that way. I mean, we uh, we certainly talked a lot about that on the show, and we're definitely not not finished uh, as far as Lewis and I are concerned. But um, just as an exit question here to to wrap things up, you were there at the start. You were there at the finish. Do you uh, you saw provinces like Saskatchewan, for example, Alberta, almost were couldn't go fast enough to get rid of their vaccine mandates, and Quebec backed right off on the on their mandates and finding those who were unvaccinated. So. Uh, do you see at least a little bit of a win from the convoy? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, that was the biggest win when we started seeing those things roll back right away. Of course, they said it had nothing to do with the convoy. It was to do with science. But, I mean, let's be honest. Um, we'd still be in this mess if, uh, if the truckers didn't do what they did. Um, so, no, I, I definitely take that win for sure. Um, when my son tells me that, you know, he's happy, he doesn't have to wear a mask to school anymore, that's definitely a win. Um, it's just, but getting into this um, this this world and, and learning like how how twisted the media is and how twisted even like something like Facebook is, you know, the, tr trying to control your narrative of your daily life. It's uh, it's it, it's an eye opener because when I went there, it was that was it. It was it was vaccine mandates, uh, masks, vaccine passports. Done. That's that's what I wanted to see. That was my only reason for going. And now I guess, you know, learning about all the stuff that what you guys talk about on your show, um, definitely uh, once you go down that rabbit hole, there's, it's pretty hard to go back. So, Yeah, oh, for sure it is. But uh, yeah, Donnie, I really appreciate talking to you today. I really appreciate your perspective as somebody who has been there. And I'm, uh, I'm jealous. You actually got off your butt and went to Ottawa. I, I just sat at home and kept watching videos about it. And uh but I'll tell you, I never felt more proud to be part of the trucking family than when I was watching all those trucks roll across the country. So uh, thank you for, for being down there. And I really appreciate you sharing your perspective with us tonight. Perfect. Thanks for having me on, Tony. I really appreciate it. Great to tell the story.
All right. Well, great meeting you, Johnny. We'll talk again soon. Awesome. All right. Thank you for joining us tonight, Canada. And we will talk to you again soon. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. Good night, Canada.